Thank you for joining us for the Lessons from First Naz podcast. So there are cool animals and not so cool animals, and then there are the people who love them, right? I mean, um, I am not a lizard guy, but there are lizard guys, and I do not understand how there can be lizard guys on this planet. I understand how there can be dog people, so on and so forth. I don't understand the lizard thing, but there are cool animals, there are not so cool animals, and there are the people who love them. And if you want to have an animated discussion that for ridiculous reasons ends up turning very emotional, just get a group of people together and ask them what are their favorite animals and what are their not so favorite animals, and then uh, just sit back and relax and have a good time. I did that on Facebook a couple weeks ago, just thought that would be fun, preparing for this sermon. And so I asked people, would you just list your favorite animals and your not so favorite animals? And 86 people weighed in on the discussion and then began arguing because, you know, you can prove that dogs are cooler than whatever. Uh, at any rate, it was great fun for me, and um, I'm prepared to share with you the results of the survey today. I, however, did not weigh in that day. I just let people do their thing. I saved my input for today, so uh, here it goes. As far as I'm concerned, it goes like this. Dogs are cool. Cats are not. Or to put another way, dogs are cool. Cats should be shot. Um, just kidding, cat people. Quit arching your backs and hissing at me, okay? I was just being serious. Um, cool animals from the list. Here it goes. Pugs, not pigs, made the cool list. Tigers, cheetahs, elephants, owls, horses, killer whales, lions, dolphins, and wolverines, all rated pretty cool, meaning that they got more than one mention. Otters got more votes than anything else. Coolest animal on the planet, apparently. Otters. Um, not so cool animals. Possums. Right. Possums, hippos, mosquitoes, squirrels, manatees, and ostriches all rated not very cool, meaning they got more than one vote. Rats and mice were off the chart. They are apparently absolutely disgusting. And what animal do you think sat at the bottom of the list totally reprehensible? Snakes, absolutely, absolutely. You might be surprised to learn, however, that snakes made both lists, but only one vote for, for cool snakes. Here's the list of animals that made both lists. I'm just reading it, okay? Do not shoot the messenger, but here it goes. Coyotes, wolves, sloths, giraffes, mountain lions, and snakes made both lists, okay? This is not the point where you quickly start Facebooking about wolves, okay? Just, that's not what this is about this morning, okay? One respondent um, seemed to have not really understood the nature of the discussion and simply wrote in his little box, Cougar's cool, Husky's bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wazoo fans, loving it this morning. Cougar's good, Husky's bad, okay? Unfortunately, I grew up as goat people. Um, we had a small farm, we had dairy cows, we had beef cows, we had, you know, chickens, and there were geese and ducks and turkeys and a little bit of everything running around, but more, if you just did a head count, goats. So we were goat people, <clears throat> and that's a problem because goats are not cool. If you think about it, goats are really just nerd sheep, right? Nobody thinks, aw, you know, when they're comparing goats to sheep, it's aw about the sheep. Goats are not fluffy, 
They have coarse hair. They smell bad. They smell really bad. I mean, they smell really, really bad, especially the male ones in the fall. You can't get near them without your eyes watering. Uh, No one in children's church or Sunday school ever glued cotton balls on a goat, right? Only only on sheep. Uh, No one ever looks for goat hair sweaters, just wool ones. Goats are uncool. Sheep, on the other hand, well, even Jesus, when he compared goats and sheep, seemed to indicate that sheep were cool, goats not so much. And when he talked about them, he said that sheep have a good fate, and goats, well, you know. Jesus often referred to himself as a shepherd or the good shepherd, and he referred to his people as sheep. And he described all that relationship between the shepherd and the sheep in these caring and positive ways. He said that he would take care of his sheep and that the sheep would get to know him so well that they would actually trust him and follow him. Well, his original audience were all Jewish people, the people of Israel, and they were pretty sure that Jesus was right, that there were basically two categories of people in this world. There were sheep and there were goats. But here was their assumption. Their assumption was that the people of Israel were sheep and every single other living soul on the planet were goats. Israel equals sheep. Everybody else equals goats. So one day, Jesus absolutely stunned his audience because he said to these Jewish people who were his audience, hey, guess what? I have other sheep and I must bring them. They blinked and looked at him and said, there are no other sheep. We're the sheep. They're the goats. Jesus said, I have other sheep and I must bring them. That conversation is recorded in John chapter 10. And I want to read it to you this morning. And then maybe see if there's something for us to learn from what Jesus had to say. And I'd ask you this morning if you'd stand with me, please, in honor of the reading of God's word. Lord, we don't believe that this is like any other book on the planet. No, it did not mystically fall out of heaven. There were human hands gripping the pens, writing the words. We believe that your Holy Spirit was living and breathing in their, the, the truth into their ears. That you were stirring their hearts so that the message of your love and your forgiveness could be perfectly conveyed to the whole human race. We believe that you've preserved it down through the ages. We also believe that if we'll just stick our noses in that book today, that your Holy Spirit can turn on the lights for us and help us to understand what it means. Believing you'll do just that, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm reading to you the words of Jesus from John chapter 10. I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning. It begins this way. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come out to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They'll run from him because they don't know his voice. Then... 
John, the narrator, says, those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. So he explained it to them, saying, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep didn't listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They'll come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He'll abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hands run away because, well, he's working only for money and doesn't really care about the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep. And they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too. They are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They'll listen to my voice. And there will be one flock with one shepherd. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Those shepherd and sheep passages of the New Testament are very popular among the people who consider themselves to be Christ followers because in those passages we learn some kind of tender and beautiful things about the relationship between Jesus and his followers. We gravitate toward these messages because they lead us to believe that Jesus' every thought and every uh, emotion toward us is caring and loving and kind. We like to hear that stuff. And because those images are all positive and caring and nurturing and protective ones, we go back there again and again and again. And it's why we stick that name on nursing homes, the Good Shepherd. We stick it on hospitals. We stick it on daycares. People wear it on t-shirts. They put slides in the foyer and on the screen that show Jesus as the Good Shepherd. But if we read this passage very closely, it also exposes the fact that we don't always think like Jesus does. Well, that's no newsflash. You know that. You know that you don't always think like Jesus does. You know that, right? I mean, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands here, but think about it. Turn the other cheek. You really agree with that? Nobody agrees with that. Um, Love your enemies. Bless them who persecute you. You really believe in that? We don't. How about um, lay down my life for my friends? We like other people to do that, not so much us. How about blessed are those who mourn? Yeah, that's your favorite, right? Favorite. Pa- nobody ever said that's my favorite verse in the whole Bible. Blessed are those who mourn, because nobody wants to mourn. Because when we hear the word mourn, to us it means somebody just died, somebody very close to us. And we don't think it's blessed to mourn. We think it's horrible. Let's get through this as fast as we possibly can. Our thinking and Jesus' thinking is miles apart on many, many, many things. Who really thinks that hating is the same as murdering? Who really thinks that lusting is the same as adultery? We we are miles apart from Jesus on many, many things that he taught to us. But the task of becoming like Jesus in this life, however, is in many ways a process of identifying those areas where we disagree with Jesus, then humbling ourselves, letting him teach us, 
and change our minds so that we come to agree with the God who is the truth. Here's an example of how we tend to think differently than Jesus does. We church people tend to think in terms of sheep and goats. And you say, well, uh, Cliff, Jesus thought in terms of sheep and goats, right? Sheep on the, on the right, goats on the left. So uh, I'm with Jesus on that one. What do you mean we disagree with Jesus? But if we take a look at that, I think we'll find that often we find ourselves using the same vocabulary as Jesus, but we don't at all define the words the same way. When we think in terms of sheep and goats, we church people tend to think that we're God's sheep and everybody else are the goats. Just like the Jews in Jesus' original audience thought they were the sheep and absolutely everybody other than us, they're the goats. They're the hell goats. They're the goats of hell, which is probably the name of a heavy metal band or soon will be, right? Uh, You heard it here first, okay? But if we think of ourselves as the sheep and everybody else in the world as the goats, there are some very clear and present dangers that I think we should consider. The first is this. If we think of ourselves as the sheep, the church people as sheep, and everybody out there as the goats, we will think of them as adversaries. We'll think in terms of us and them. We'll think of us versus them. They'll be our adversaries, and we will start taking oppositional positions against everyone who does not yet know Christ. How are you going to win anybody to the Savior's love when you view them as your enemy? We'll start fighting them instead of trying to lead them into safe connection with Jesus. If we think of ourselves as the sheep and everybody else who isn't church people as the goats, then we suffer a very dangerous risk. And it's this, that we will start to think that those people get what they deserve. Their sinful lives are producing all their suffering. And well, you know, sometimes people just got to learn the hard way and we will be be content to leave them in their heartache and suffering. If they're the goats, they're probably just getting what they deserve. Do you want what you deserve? Because I don't want what I deserve. I want grace, forgiveness, help, and a fresh start. Yeah. There's another danger of us thinking of church people as sheep and everybody else in the world is goats. And it's this. It's that we'll start treating them like goats. Stinky, stubborn, coarse-haired, uncomfortable goats. Something other than us. Less than us. When we have to be around them, we'll treat them like goats. But we'll do our very best to stay away from those people. If I'm going to be completely honest and biblical, then I have to tell you that there are sheep and there are goats. There are. Jesus said it. Uh, It's not my job in this world to make Jesus' words go down easier or to explain away what Jesus said. And he said that at the end of time, whenever that is, when the Heavenly Father says that's it, that's the end of time, that the sheep and the goats will be separated and they'll be separated for all of eternity. I don't like that prospect, but that's what the Scriptures teach and you need to know it. There are sheep and there are goats. But this passage tells us that there are also other sheep. There are sheep and there are goats, but there are also other sheep. Did you catch that as we read? It's in verse 16. I have other sheep too. They're not of this sheepfold. They're not in here, but I must bring them also. They'll listen to my voice. And then there will be one flock with one shepherd. Question for you, who are the other sheep? You may have a real quick answer for who are the goats. But the question is, who are the other sheep? 
Jesus was talking to Jews who, who thought that the group that was called the people of God was limited to them only. Jesus was telling them that there were non-Jewish people who would be included in the group, the people of God. Now, that's really good news because virtually everyone in this room is of Gentile extraction. So the fact that the good news was made available to Gentile people and that they, we, could get included in the people of God is very, very good news. Jesus went to great lengths, so did his apostles, to make it clear that all of us who were not born into the group, God's people, have been included in the group by new birth, by faith in Jesus. We get to be a part of the people of God. We get a place in the kingdom of God, one that he secured for us us that was not ours by birth, but is ours by rebirth. It's good news. It is. But listen, as soon as we identify ourselves then as Jesus' sheep, his message about other sheep applies to who? As soon as we start thinking of ourselves as sheep, though we were once the other sheep, once we're in the fold, We're just the sheep. And the other sheep applies to the people who do not yet know our Lord. The people who have not yet experienced forgiveness. The people who who don't know His peace. The people who don't know His joy. The people who don't know power for living in ways that lead somewhere other than destruction. As soon as we are graciously moved from the category of other sheep, the Gentiles brought into the fold, for us we become the sheep and we have to start considering the plight of the other sheep sheep. So as we sit here in church, as church people, as Christians, Christ followers, whatever you want to call us, we have to ask ourselves, if Jesus has other sheep, who are they? And if we're going to answer that question the same way that Jesus and his original audience did, but contextualize it here, then the answer is anyone who is not currently a part of the community of faith. In other words, it's the pre-Christian people here in our beloved L.C. Valley. Listen, we are not the only ones that Jesus wants in his flock. Do you believe that? We're not the only ones that he loves. Do you know that? We're not the only ones that he lies awake at night thinking about. He has other sheep. And they are all around us. And they are the people who are not yet in the sheep barn. And he said, I must bring them. It brings us to another question. So what? Jesus has other sheep. So what? What are we supposed to do about that? In that same verse, Jesus said, I must bring them also. They'll listen to my voice. They'll come in. They'll be one flock with us. One shepherd, one flock. Jesus makes it clear that that He intends to round up His other sheep and to bring them into this already existing flock. But if you are at all familiar with another passage of Scripture that Christians have for a long time called the Great Commission, then you know that Jesus has placed upon all of us, His followers, the responsibility for going out there and rounding up the sheep. That passage is found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. And you may have heard it so many times that you can say it with me. You may have memorized it in Sunday school or children's quizzing, but there is a problem with things that we become very familiar with. You know the phrase, familiarity breeds contempt. Well, I don't hold the Scriptures in contempt, Pastor. No, the problem is most of us don't hold them at all. And this one comes 
to us as a commission, but as I told you several weeks ago, a commission isn't enough. He's got to become your passion. He's got to become the reason that you live. And Jesus said, here's the reason that you live now, that you're my follower. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus said. Now you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them everything that I have commanded you. And don't worry, I'm with you always, even if this mission, this vision, this passion takes you all the way to the ends of the earth, brings you up against the end of your life. I'm going with you. So here's this shepherd, Jesus. He said, I've got sheep. We said, we know, we're the sheep. He said, uh, there's goats. We know, there's goats. He said, I've got other sheep. There's what? There's other sheep. And I can't live with the thought of them not being in here. You, go. Authority's mine. You, go, get them, and bring them in here. In other words, lost sheep don't find themselves. Other sheep find them. Are you one of Jesus' followers? Are you one of his sheep? If so, I want you to know two things this morning. The first is that I am thrilled to know that you know that you are one of Jesus' sheep. You know why I'm happy about that? Because I'm one of his sheep. I know it deep in my heart. I'm one of his sheep, and I love being one of his sheep. Every good thing in my life is as a result of being part of the people of God. I married a Jesus girl. She sits right over there. And I have three kids who all consider themselves to be Jesus people. We like our life. We're privileged to be in full-time ministry among Jesus' sheep. I'm glad that you're one of those. If you're one of Jesus' sheep, there's a second thing that I want you to know. And it's this. As one of Jesus' sheep, you have to know and care that he has other sheep too. And you have to know this. He loves them as much as he loves us. He loves the other sheep as much as he loves us. Really. Literally. He went to the same length to draw them to himself as he did for us. Death on a Roman cross. He wants them in the fold every bit as much as he wants us in the fold. Every bit as much. And he wants us to share that desire, his desire for them to be in the fold. He wants that to to start beating in our chest enough that we actually quit talking about it and get up and do something about it. It's why in Matthew chapter 28, he plays the authority card and throws it on the table and says, I'm in charge around here. Now, all of you sheep, go find some other sheep and bring them into this one flock. He hopes that the very same desire that burns in his chest will burn in ours. The same dream that captivates his field of view will become the captivating vision of our lives as well. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? You can ignore it again. Would not advise that. If I read the Scriptures correctly, Sometimes sheep quit being sheep, become goats. I don't know how that works. Don't have a biological referent in, uh, that makes that work. But I know that Jesus said those who are among his sheep who are found unfaithful doesn't end well. Can you push judgment aside for just a minute? And just hear the heart of Jesus. I have other sheep. It's safe in here. It's not safe out there. 
And they're all alone. And they don't even know how to get here. They don't even know they're supposed to be in here. Go get my other sheep. I want to suggest that you do something about it. Two weeks ago, we handed these cards to you. Put them in the offering plate last week. See if you'd take some more. Today, Pastor Aaron said, grab a handful of them. Take them with you. What are they? They're invitation cards. It says empty on the front. That circle is a tomb. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you already know what that means. It's the best news in the whole world. There's, there's slightly good news. Jesus forgave you of your sins. But that's, that's not the best news. The best news in the whole Bible is that Jesus rose from the dead. And it means that there is a possibility of new life for you. A new kind of life. Different than the one that you dragged into the tomb. Different than the one that you dragged into the sheep pen. There's a new life for you. There's a new life. Free and clean and holy and pure in God's sight. The back of this says, how does empty fill you up? I can answer that question. I'm not going to today. It's not today's sermon. It's Easter Sunday's sermon. Here's what I want to suggest that you do. I know it's hard to talk to people about our faith. I know it is. But I'm going to ask you to do hard things. Because Jesus has compelled us to do hard things. Doing easy things never made you healthier, stronger, or more effective at anything in your life. It's doing hard things that helps you take a step forward or a step up. This is so not about you. This is about the other sheep. I want to ask you if you would take these cards. We're going to hand them out um, next Sunday as well. And we have a couple thousand of them. And they need to completely disappear. Here's how. They need to be put in the hands of your friends as an invitation to Easter worship. It says that our services are on 331. That's Easter. At 8 and 10.30, as Pastor Aaron's told you, we're going to have a couple of worship services that day. It's an opportunity for you to just simply bring some sheep to the, to the gate. Jesus is going to stand there at the gate. The message of Jesus is going to be proclaimed that day. The message of forgiveness of sins. The message of new life, empowered by His Holy Spirit living within them. Instead of empty, your friends can find that full, rich, satisfying life. Listen, I hope you know my heart by now. I've been your pastor for a year and a half. If you think my heart is still, still suspect, I do not know what to tell you. I do not care that we hit some magic number of 500 people who show up. There's a number that matters to me, though, and it's the number of people who come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want them all. I want them all. As long as there are people in this valley who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, I will never sleep well. I believe that the scriptures teach rather convincingly that there's a heaven and that there's a hell and that all of us are bound for one, but we can get into the other. You know how? Faith in Jesus Christ. But Paul said, if people don't know this, how can they believe? And if they don't, how are they going to know it unless somebody tells them, I stand prepared and ready to tell your friends the good news of the gospel. If you will simply do this, invite them into this part of your life. This coming Easter Sunday, ask them to come and and attend morning worship with you. One of those two uh, worship services and brunch in between. And I don't know, take them to home to your house for lunch afterwards. Just really get them into your life and let them into this part of your life. You may think that this number is ridiculous, but and I can't pretend that God told me. Listen, if he told me, I'd tell you. You've heard me say things that I, that I know that God told me. This number isn't from God, but it's in my heart. 
I want to see 200 people on Easter Sunday give their hearts to Jesus. That means that we need 200 people here who do not yet know him. And I don't know 200 unbelievers in this valley. But each of you does know a handful. Listen, I can't pull off the math by myself. I can't. If I could, I would. But I'm going to ask you, do you believe that Jesus has other sheep? Do you believe that he loves them as much as he loves us? Do you believe it's dangerous out there and it's safe in the fold? Because that's the truth from God's holy word. And I know it's awkward. I know it's difficult. But this week, somebody told me, Pastor, I took one of those cards. I've been praying for the guy. I've been sweating bullets. And this weekend, I gave it to him. And it was kind of awkward. And I don't know if he just took it to be nice to me. But I did it. And I invited somebody to church. And now for the next two weeks, we're just going to pray that that man shows up at the back door. Right? Listen, when I first became your pastor, this, the first Sunday I was here, I said, you have friends who don't know Christ. You have family members who don't know Christ. Email me their names. I'll pray for them. We prayed. We saw many of those people come to know the Lord Jesus. Here's what I want you to do. Email me, Facebook me. Uh, I don't know. Uh, write it on a rock and throw it through Bill's office window, not mine. Um, put the names of your friends that you're praying for. Um, on the, you know, write it on the back of a $50 bill and hand it to me. That's fine. Um, are there $50 bills? That suddenly doesn't sound right. I'll make it 100 just in case because I don't want the counterfeits. However it is that you get me the names of your family, friends, and people that you're praying for, if you get them to me, your pastors and I will pray for them every day by name. And on Easter Sunday, I hope to get the chance to meet them. And I hope that, to get the chance to introduce them to our friend Jesus. There are other sheep. Aren't you glad to be a sheep? Aren't you glad to belong to Jesus? Aren't you glad that you have a shepherd who cares about you? Takes care of you? The Bible teaches that he sits at the right hand of the Father right now interceding for you. It means he gets between you and God and he tells God all the stuff he needs to know about your life for God to be good to you in ways that you can understand. Don't you want that for your friends? I love being a sheep and I want it for my friends. I met two people yesterday that will be invited to come to this church with my family on Easter Sunday. I want to ask you to do the same. And I will preach the gospel with everything I've got and by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And we will see people come to know Him as Lord and Savior that day. It'll change their lives. It'll change their families. It'll change their future. Remember, the lost sheep don't find themselves. Other people, other sheep find, find lost sheep. I want to ask you to pause before the Lord this morning. We're going to pray twice today, okay? We're going to pray. Uh, someone is asked to be anointed and um, asked to lay hands on them for healing. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But first, I want to ask you if you would just close your eyes before the Father and listen for his voice. Father, would you speak to my brothers and sisters and to me the names of the people that you've been preparing for us to invite to this place and into your kingdom. Tell us the names of your other sheep. We listen for your voice.